going on, a lot of other things happening and so forth. A lot of opportunity to fellowship, a lot of opportunity to serve and get involved. I encourage you to, to, to consider. And it's great when we get together here on Sundays. Uh, but man, if there, there's a lot of other opportunities with small groups and, and outreaches and work days and so forth. And it's a blessing to assemble as the body of Christ. And we're to do it more and more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And, and uh, listen, if anything else, we know it's getting closer because we're a week past where we were last week. So he's, he's coming soon. So let's get into the word here, Psalm 47. This is a, a psalm that, uh, number one, expresses great praises to God, and it has a great call for the people of God to greatly praise God. Uh, within it, we, we get reminders of, of some of God's attributes, that he's the king of all the earth, of the blessings we have in him, the, the future uh, rule and reign that we'll have with him. We're reminded as well as his judgment and his awesomeness and in the midst of that we're told to clap to the lord to shout to the lord to sing praise to our king and to do it all with understanding and that that's the key in this it's a call to worship but with understanding and it's understanding who he is understanding his awesomeness and his goodness and and his majesty and as we understand that and as we get that you know what, the Lord would have the supernatural reaction of the Spirit of God working in our life in, in the midst of truth, because Jesus said we're to worship in spirit and truth, that out of that, a, a, an overflow of praise would come to God. It's also just a reminder that we need to do that. that it, you know what, worship and praise, it's, it's not like, well, you know what, that's optional in, in, in the call of the Christian. It's not. We, we have a call to. In fact, one of our chief purposes uh, in life is to be worshipers of God Almighty. And so this really drives that home and reminds it. And, and we need these truths because I think we're living in a day where there's a lack of awe of God, a lack of, of reverence for Him, an understanding of how worthy He is of worship. And there's a lot of distorted views, again, of worship. And, and I think it's easy to drift away from it in our own lives and, and even as a church. So hopefully, the Lord will do a good work in our hearts in these issues as we, we look at this word today. So let's read the, the psalm. It's nine verses here, and then we'll dive into it and, and just pray that, that God's glorified and, and uh, you know, we get ministered to as we go through it. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet he will choose our inheritance for us the excellence of jacob whom he loves selah or stop and consider that god has gone up with a shout the lord with the sound of a trumpet sing praises to god sing praises sing praises to our king sing praises for god is the king of all the earth sing praises with understanding god reigns over the nations god sits on his holy throne the princes of the people have gathered together the people of the god of abraham for the shields of the earth belong to god he is greatly exalted so again it's another psalm with an introduction it says to the chief musician a psalm of the sons of korah we talked about the sons of korah lord willing and some few weeks down the road in numbers we'll look at Korah himself we've touched on him so it's another psalm so kind of keep that in mind as we've given some background on these guys and what they had overcome and their love for God 
It says to the chief musician, and a lot of the psalms start with that, the chief musician. Remember the, the psalm we looked at recently set to the lilies, and we talked about Christ being the lily of the valley, and it was a tune that they knew, and they said, sing this psalm to that same tune uh, that is set to the lilies and so forth. So there'd be instruction. Um, the chief musician, we've talked a little bit about him, and I want to talk a little bit more about the chief musician, and then as well the call for us to be many chief musicians, because we have that call. And the chief musician was the one who would set forward or oversee the worship of God. It was like the worship leader. And in the days of David, when these were written, it was the sons of Korah that led worship there in the tabernacle. And we, we talked about that in one of the earlier Psalms we looked at over the last few weeks. We read about it, I believe it's in First Chronicles. So the chief musician, again, it means to set forward, it means to oversee, they would set forth the music. They would set forth the song. They would set forth the lyrics, first and foremost and always, to the Lord. The, the first emphasis wasn't on the people. The first emphasis was upon God. That the chief musician came out, and listen, he was the chief musician unto God Almighty. That, that he was going to come out, uh, those with, uh, you know, the sons of Korah. And, and the first aim was to give glory to God. But it was also setting forth the song before the people for them to join in into worshiping God in the gathering of the saints together. Now listen, in the scripture we see that there's different callings, there's different giftings. Uh, the Bible talks about pastors and teachers and apostles and, and uh, evangelists and so forth. And we know there's some people uh, that just have the gift of evangelism. I mean, everywhere they go, they just get opportunity and people get saved and so forth. And it's just a supernatural gifting that they have. All of us, though, regardless whether if you have that gift or not, all of us are instructed in the scripture to do the work of an evangelist. And, and not everyone has the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to do the work of it. And part of the work of evangelism is to pray for people's salvation, to know the gospel, to be able to share that and so forth. So again, there's some people with the gift of evangelism but we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. There are some individuals with the call to be a chief musician, to be a worship leader, and so forth, but all of us are called to do the work of a chief musician. You're like, I can't even play a gazoo. How am I gonna you know, do the work of a chief musician? Well, notice Ephesians 5.17. It says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this, this is part of the will of the Lord for us. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. This doesn't say, uh, if you're the chief musician, understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, don't show up on drunk, drunk on Sunday morning when you're going to lead the people in worship and worship the Lord, but make sure you're filled with the Spirit and psalms and hymns and for the people and uh, then unto the Lord. It doesn't say that. This is for all of us. This is God's will for all of us. That number one, we won't be a people, you know what, drunk with whether it's wine or just rebellion, but be a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit because worshiping God, it's a combination of a filling of the Spirit and knowing truth. Jesus, and we'll, we'll come to the verse later, but talks about worshiping Him in spirit and truth. Uh, it, this is a call to all of us all of us to speak to one another again to put forth to one another psalms and hymns 
and spiritual songs. So it would be songs that are truthful. They're spirit-led. They're spirit-filled. There, there's a lot of music today in Christendom that's not. Don't think just because you hear it on Christian radio doesn't necessarily mean that it's sound. We've got to test things and so forth. But psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and making melody to the Lord. So again, it's a dual call to be a worshipful people that that worship ministers to those around us, whether you're male, female, young, old, single, married, whatever. We all have this call. It's God's will for us that we'd be a people making a melody unto the Lord. It doesn't necessarily mean 24-7. I think if everyone's walking around singing their own hymn, it's going to get a little confusing. But again, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. That ministers to others. I minister to various times when i'm walking by someone or maybe i hear someone in the room just worshiping god isn't that an encouragement and then more than that doing it unto the lord so again we all have a call to do the work of a chief musician to put worship forward that would again speak to others edifying them and encouraging them and then more so in our heart it would be giving praise to god again the chief musician that was uh, their call to put worship forward to the Lord first and foremost and then put it out to minister to the people but in this setting more so for them to join in and they would gather together knowing that they weren't coming out hey you know time to worship to gather around the tabernacle they weren't coming out for a concert oh boy what's the chief musician going to do today you know uh do you got your Bic lighters so you can do an encore and throw it up they didn't, you know they didn't have those back then but that's the idea of a, of, a, of a concert today. It wasn't a concert. It was a call to join in. And we got to know that. As a people, when we gather together here to worship, it's, it's not the opening act. It's, it's, not, it's not, you know, the warm-up. We should be, as we're getting up and getting in our car, have that mindset. We are going out. Yes, there will be musicians setting forth the worship unto the Lord. And we, put a, we try to put a strong emphasis on that. Uh, and people in our worship know that the emphasis is to first and foremost worship the lord for you to come in and to join in in that worship of god so there's order and so forth and uh, we need to be gathering together here knowing that on our way here not saying well you know what let, let me uh make minor of that but i want to get in and to give glory to god to worship him it's not just to be listened to but to participate in and you can say well preaching you know what uh, is, is more I'll listen to the preaching and and you know what I'll participate in the word sometimes people will per- try to participate in the preaching which we should in our hearts and an occasional amen at the right spots glorious too over the years though I've heard those at the wrong time you know and David lusted after Bathsheba and you're an amen and you're like are you listening to the sermon or is it just <laughs> throwing it out there uh, so we want to we it, again to set forth so that we can join in together verse one he says oh clap your hands all you peoples shout to god with a voice of triumph now clapping your hands uh you know looking at this in the hebrew it can be again skin on skin clapping your hands but it also speaks of using the hand on a hand instrument a drum a tambourine uh, using rhythm to worship god and i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but i want to address this because I do run into people, and there are certain people that they think rhythm is a, you know, a, 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 a something that, uh, an invention of the devil. And uh, yeah, I, most of you guys know I was a Christian rapper for many, many years. 
That's kind of how I ended up becoming a youth pastor and then ended up where I am now. And, uh, you know, I'd go and do Christian rap and, and preach the gospel and so forth. And it happened quite often where, you know, someone would say, oh, what you're doing is evil because you're using a drum beat. And you can't worship God with a 2-4 beat because it has its origins in, uh, in, in the deep parts of Africa where they would worship demons with a drum. And uh, so you can't use that, you know, rhythms of the devil. And, um, you know, they, they would say, you know, David worshiped God with a harp. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about that is that uh, if you look at the history of the harp, it's, it's talked about in the Bible, and the harp was brought forth from the sons of Cain. Anyone know anything about Cain and his sons? Um, that's biblical. They, they, they're the ones that came up with the harp. And yet we see psalms about the harp, just as we're seeing here. And you see psalms about the trimble and the ham drum and so forth and rhythm. You know what? R- rhythm's from the Lord. Rhythm's a good thing. I mean, when people get out of rhythm, that, that you know, ah, you know, rhythm's good. Um, and, and, and unto God. And, and I say that to, to put this forth. Listen, just about with everything out there, you can either glorify God with it or you can blaspheme him. And I won't argue for a second that there's a whole lot of drum work that's used to blaspheme God and to lead people astray and and even maybe to lead someone into some trance, some demonic state of of indoctrination or infiltration into their heart to to move them from the Lord. No argument with me uh, in that. I know there's a lot of New Age heart music too that does the exact same thing. But with most things, you can either glorify God or blaspheme. And, and with a harp, you can worship God or you can blaspheme him. And with a tambourine, you can worship God or you can blaspheme him. And with a drum kit, you can worship God or blaspheme him. Even with the Bible, you can worship God or you can blaspheme him. I don't know if there's a greater blasphemy than taking God's word and distorting it for filthy lucre. The Bible talks about the King James Version, a pastor that would distort the word for his own gain. Um, I know some would say, well, listen, you can't glorify God with a Ouija board or pornography or street drugs. And I would argue, absolutely, you can. Uh, light it on fire and burn it to the glory of God, right? <laughs> and, and so, again, clap your hands. And then he says, all you people, again, it's a call to everybody. Young, old, male, female, single, married. This call to be minor, you know, do the work of a chief musician. It's on all of us. Uh, you know, you might not be able to play an instrument, but you can clap your hands, can you not? Um, you know, I always said if I was in a band, I'd, you know, have to do the, cow, the, the triangle or something, you know. Uh, clap your hands, all you people. And think about this. We clap along to a lot of secular music. Um, it is what it is. We clap at men's performances. We clap, you know, at victories. Um, we clap often at, at, at the, 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 the music of men and the feats of men. It's all around us, but do we clap for the Lord? In the sense of, yeah, clapping in, 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 in rhythm, and I know some are uh, rhythmically challenged, but under that, but how about just applauding him? I know every once in a while in the middle of preaching, it'll be something like, and Jesus rose from the grave. And that's not planned in my notes. I don't say clap three times. I think sometimes... I get excited about it. And as I was looking at this unknowingly, I'm like, hey, hopefully I'm worshiping God and not just trying to wake up the guy in the back row. You know, sometimes I do that too. 
There's little tricks you can do up here. But, but just applauding him for, and, I, and, and God's not a performer, but for a lack of my humanist to be able to express it, his performance and his victories, just applauding him. I mean, at the cross of Calvary, he defeated our enemies of sin, death, Satan, and hell. We, we know he's coming back soon to, to put down the rebellion against him. I think of Exodus 15, God had delivered a nation of slaves, two million of them that had been slaves in Egypt for probably 300, 350 years. They'd been in Egypt over 400. And the Lord delivered them through, remember, shed blood of lambs over their doorposts and then the Red Sea opening and, and then the Red Sea followed, swallowed the armies of Egypt. It was a superpower of the world, the superpower of the world versus this you know, oppressed people of the Lord, that God even used that slavery to multiply them. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and God delivered them out. And then you come to Exodus 15, and they're worshiping God. And in verse 20, it says, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Seeing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the house and rider he has stolen into the sea. That was in figure. Literally, they had seen that. They had literally seen the horse and the rider thrown in the sea. And they said, our God's awesome. We're going to worship God over here. We're going to give him praise. We're going to give him glory. And again, we're called to do this with understanding. We need to know how triumphant our God is, how, how victorious he is, how incredible, again, for my lack of ability to, to maybe be able to convey this, how incredible his performance is. I mean, we'll ooh and ah at an NBA duck contest when someone goes up and does a 360 and kind of, you know, one of these and then over the top and, yeah, you know, and a 10, you know. You know, they, they throw up the little, the little numbers here. And everyone oohs and ahs. And, and everyone break, bust out into, into applause. Well, how about God? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 360 dunk, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. no comparison especially when you consider that god gave the ability to that individual to do all that god gave us the uh, ability to be able to build a society that can have things like that to even enjoy how about he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures pretty awesome so we see this call to clap our hands in the new testament we also see a call to worship god in lifting holy hands. First Timothy 2 8 it says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. So it's a call to again lift hands with 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 sincerity. You know, without wrath, without doubting, with with sincerity, which would mean I don't willfully make provision for rebellion all week and then come in and lift my hands up maybe for a recognition and then i go right back to it but instead lifting hands acknowledging you are god and you're worthy of praise i know some people they're just they're hand lifters right they just come in and they they put their bible down and first song they're just right here and and that's a glorious thing we need to remember god looks at the heart we need to make sure again in all these sayings it's not showy all our worship we want to put all our attention to god Whenever the attention starts getting on men in worship, whether it would be someone up here or someone out there, I remember years ago, uh, 
we, we, we uh, were in the middle of worship. I think it was in the second row here. Everything looked a little bit different. There was a guy, he came in, and he, he was like here, and then he was doing this all the way down to the other seat, and then coming right back, you know? And we're like, I, I, I go, we got to get that guy. We got to go talk to this guy because no one was worshiping God. All they could see is, and we found out his name was Pastor Willie. And like no one was worshiping Jesus. Everyone was just fixated on Pastor Willie. And so again, this call to clap, this call to lift hands. We, we want to make sure we're not a distraction. We also want to make sure we're not doing it to, to look pious. But at the same time, we don't want that to hinder us from actually clapping and lifting hands. Because I think all of these things, the enemy will get a double victory and maybe having a Pastor Willie that brings, you know what, uh, focus off the Lord, but then it keeps us from maybe clapping and lifting hands because we don't want to be perceived as Pastor Willie getting focus off the Lord. You see this in a lot of areas. You know, tithing, a lot of people abuse that. And then, so Pastor don't want to talk about money because he doesn't want to be seen like that. And then you kind of got to duel you know, victory for the enemy and that one person's abusing that call to give unto the Lord and another person's not even talking about it. And we don't want to do that. And, and there's times we just need to lift our hands. There, we're called to, again, uh, desires every man everywhere to lift up holy hands, just even as a sacrifice of praise. I need to lift my hands today. I, I need to praise God. I need to, as Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, and your body includes your hands. And I believe there's sometimes, again, we need to lift them up. And hopefully, again, it's in line with our hearts because, you know, what, you, you can be uh, uh, standing in the corner being disciplined, but in your heart, you're still sitting there, you know, with your arms crossed. He says next to make a, to make a, a shout to God, notice, with a voice of triumph. And it's that picture of a joyful no, no, noise, uh, again, of, of celebrating God. And you think about this, there's a lot of things we make joyful noises over. I've had a few guys come say to me this morning, oh man, I'm so glad the football's back. And one guy was college football, another had the NFL, I'm excited about that. And there's a lot of noise made in those games. It's, you know, exciting, you're watching your team, touchdown, everyone cheers. Uh, most of you guys know I've coached softball the last several years, and there's times I make joyful noise, just like the girls, you know. And uh, I know one game this year, we it was we're playing a really good team, bottom of the seventh, which is rare for a 16U team that has an hour and a half limit. So it's a pitching duel, and we're winning four or three. Neither girl's given up an earned run. So if you know anything about 16U softball, there was a lot of errors made during the game. Neither pitcher's given up an earned run. Uh, it's the bottom of the seventh. They're up. We're up four to three. There's two runners on base. And the girl hits, which should be a routine fly ball to the outfield. But her outfield's a new player. I think she, she maybe played one year before a new player. And that's not the easiest thing to do to catch that pop-up, especially when you know if I catch it, we win. If I drop it, we lose. Because they're, they're, there's two outs. The, run, the runners are going. One's already crossed home plate while it's in the air. And, and I'm standing there watching, and the assistant coach is there. We played most of the year with eight kids, so like I got my eight girls on the field and a 12-year-old filling in and we're standing there and there it goes and I'm watching, I'm watching and she goes back just like we practice, watches Ryan Glove and catches it. Ah! She starts screaming, everyone else does and I'm in the dugout doing the exact same thing. A joyful noise. We triumphed. We worked hard and we triumphed and she, 
you know, it's one of the greatest things when someone, you teach someone to do something and then they do it. Listen, how much more to God, the triumph of God, the glory to, to him, praising him and we're, our God's triumph. Listen, we were damned to hell and Jesus Christ rose from the grave and we have victory in him. He's ruling, he is reigning upon high. I think about this sometimes. We're going to give an account. Matthew talks, or in, in Jesus, it's talked about in Matthew 12, 36. He says, uh, for every idle word men will speak, they're going to give an account. And I think about this, a shout of joy or even what we boast in. And I, I think about a tally. And if we had a tally of our own lives of what we boast in and what we shout, you know, of triumph for, for ourselves, what would that look like? And we need to be careful because Proverbs uh, 27 2 says let another man praise you not your own mouth what's that tally look like and then maybe the next one's praise to others and and that can be good provided it's not done out of vanity or for flattery sakes to get something from them or make a disciple of yourselves and then over here praise to God what would those tallies look like uh, I'm, I'm frightened to see what that would look like in my life but but I know this these are calls to get an adjustment on that and I want to heed it myself and I, I want to make it my aim that it, in everything I'm trying to give the glory to God uh, even if it's a 360 dunk or a pop-up it's like thank you God you know, thank you Lord for this we give you the praise you're you're the God that is that is you know what again worthy of it a voice of triumph it means a joyful a robust a loud cheer not an obnoxious you know just out of order we do this with understanding and order I think biblically, though, a picture of this, New Testament, we talked about Miriam and them, he threw the horse and rider of the sea, but think about Romans 7, and Paul, the, the apostle Paul is talking about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, and he says, I do the very thing that I hate. Do you ever do the very thing that you hate? I, I, I do, and I find myself, again, sometimes in the patterns, if I did it again, I did the thing that I, that I hated and, and I identify what he's saying here. He says in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am. And notice an exclamation point. And he says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm wretched. I, I have no deliverance in myself. And then verse 25 comes and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point. It's a, it's a voice of triumph. I am a wretch. I do the thing that I hate. But oh, praise God, because through Christ Jesus, thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, I have deliverance. I have victory. That, that's, a, that's a shout of triumph. Now notice verse 2. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Again, he's the Most High. He's the highest. No one's higher. We know that Lucifer tried to ascend above him. You can read about that in Isaiah 14. He tried to ascend above the Lord and he was cast down. We know in Genesis 3, he tempted, Lucifer tempted man with the same thing, and man ate of that tree, thinking that he would ascend to at least the equality of God or above God, thinking he'll be God, didn't work out well. We know there's people today that, again, they still think they're God. They ascend themselves. They say, I'm my own God. Uh, Philippians, Paul talks about this in chapter 3, verse 18, talks about enemies of the cross, and he says, who end his destruction, their God's their belly whose glory is their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. I remember years ago, I didn't see the movie, but I seen the clip. It's some movie Shirley MacLaine's in. And uh, yeah, it takes a lot of humility for me to admit I even saw the clip. 
but she's running down the beach in it and she's screaming on the top of her lungs, I am God, I am God. Trying to ascend above the most high. And it's like, man, if this is what God is, we are all in big, big trouble. And we know the day's coming soon where, where, where Lucifer, Satan will team up with fallen man. Lucifer tried alone didn't work. Men have been trying doesn't work. Well, let's team up together. And again, we talked a lot about this in these Psalms. They're going to gather together there in Armageddon. And yet we know that God's going to come down in chapter nine of, 19 of Revelation. We read about it and, and put it into it. He's going to put it down. Listen, he is God most high. So in trying to ascend above him with your own will and getting outside of what he wants, let's, let's just yield to him. It also says that he is awesome. And, and awesome is probably, the word awesome is probably one of the most abused words in our language. And I'm not here trying to correct anyone's English. Listen, it's integrated. I use it poorly many times myself. But we got to be careful, you know, at, in, in, with, with our verbiage. Awesome means, it means terrible. It means to fear. It means to frighten. It means to revere. It means to be in awe of. And it's not saying our God's terrible. Our God, you know what, is to be feared in the sense that he's not approachable because through his shed blood, he is approachable and he wants to be our father. He sent his son to shed his blood so we could have communion with him. And he is our daddy in that sense, but he is to be revered and awed of and there should be a fear knowing that, again, he gives his word and if we want to do our own thing, he's the judge. And in that, again, it's a picture he's awesome. Because he keeps his word and he's, he's reverent and he's mighty and so forth and, and, and should, should be worshipped in that sense. Listen, we need to be careful with what we, again, call awesome. Uh, a plate of food is good, but in this sense of the real word, it's, it's not awesome. God's awesome for providing the food and giving the chef the ability to cook it that way. Uh, before and after photo, listen. You know, you see those things, oh, click on the jaw-dropping before and after photo. You know, all those things that pop up on your commute, your thing. It might be incredible, but listen, God's awesome if anyone's able to make some great transformation for, you know, their benefit. A skateboard trick. God's awesome to give the ability for someone to do that and so forth. But that in itself, again, is that to be revered? I, I think the enemy does work hard to try to pollute our language. He's awesome. Think about men of God in his presence. Job in Job 42.6, as he's in the presence of God, he said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Abraham in Genesis 18.27, he says, as he, before the Lord, who am I but dust and ashes? Isaiah is caught up into the third heaven on Isaiah 6, and as he's before the Lord, he says, woe of me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. John's in the presence of God, the third heaven in Revelation 1, and he says, I fell I, I fell at his feet as dead, and the Lord touched him and revived. And that's why Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, and yet who will set me free? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You are awesome. You are God. You are the potter, and we are just the clay. Notice as well, it says he is the great king over all the earth. We know there's a God of this world, Satan, but listen, he's subjected to the God of heaven. We know that God, there's kings over the earth, but God's the king over them. Listen to Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. We need to remember that. 
And that's why it's so important we are praying for those that are in places of leadership. And he's king over all the earth. I, I think there's times when, you know what, we can fall into a trap and, and Christians can fall into a trap where they would say, well, yeah, you know what, God's the God of America, but he's not the God of North Korea. Or he's not the God there of, of you know, going back to those drum beats of, of, of witchcraft in the jungles of Africa. Or he's not the God of this place or that place. You better believe he's the God of all that. They might not be acknowledging him as God, but he's God over all those things. And he's shown time and time again his faithfulness to people in all those places. I've talked about this before. In the early 1900s, there, was, there were some missionaries that were in China. They say there was about a million Chinese that had come to faith in the Lord. And then the door was shut from communists, and they kicked all of those missionaries out. And many years went by, I think 50 or 60 years, somewhere in there. And there was opportunity for them to go back in, and they said, boy, there's not going to be a Christian found anywhere in sight. There was a million, but we're not there. Since we're not there, God can't be the God of China. They came back, there were 50 million born-again Chinese. I don't even know how they could count. You know, there's so many. But 50 million, he's the God of China. When was the last time you heard about a missionary going on the mission field in Iran? You know, I've heard Belize. I've heard, you know, Bahamas, Hawaii. When was the last time, hey, I'm going to Iran? Not a lot of missionaries going there, yet it's the biggest revival happening in the world. People coming to faith in Jesus Christ. He's king over all the earth. Verse 3, it says, He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. And here's Israel rejoicing in this. Again, verse 4, He will choose our inheritance, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. And they, they, they understood, again, they had been set aside to bring forth the Messiah and that that was opposition. But they understood, we're going to prevail in the Lord and we're going to have victory and our enemies coming against us, they'll be subdued under us. We know if you're going to live for the Lord, you're going to suffer persecution. Now, I think it's a dangerous thing to walk around with a heart of vengeance and vindication. Well, I'll be vindicated. Oh, vengeance is going to come upon them. Listen, I, I myself, I want to be careful with that because if I got all the real vengeance to me and, and if I were vindicated to myself, it would be really ugly. At the same time, there is a rebellion against God Almighty and against his gospel. And there is a call to shout, to clap hands, just like Israel when they were brought out of Egypt, because he says he's going to subdue this rebellion, and we have the blessing that we're going to rule and reign him, with him for a, a thousand years. Notice as well, we can also rejoice because he's chosen our inheritance for us. And that's something maybe to skip over real easy, but it is so good that we don't get to choose our own inheritance. Listen, our inheritance is every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. 1 Corinthians 13 says we're going to know as we're known. Jesus said he's going to prepare a mansion for us. The Bible talks about these Bibles, these, bo these bodies being transformed with no pain. They're going to be sin free. The Bible speaks of crowns. Greater than that, it says we'll be his people and he will be our God. What a glorious inheritance. Listen, if we chose our own inheritance, it'd be something like the sitcom, The Good Life. Again, I don't watch it. I've seen clips. So Ted Danson running around, he's supposed to be some angel, and it's some picture of heaven as if carnal man would put forth what they want. Gross immorality. Again, the same lusts of the flesh. Think about Islam, and think about what they promise someone. If you, if you're, if you go up and you're a suicide bomber, 
if you kill yourself and in the process kill others, Allah says you'll get 70 virgins in heaven. That's, that in itself exposes it as demonic and man-made. So, so your inheritance is going to be fornicating with 70 virgins for eternity? Again, someone in the flesh, oh, that sounds good to me. Listen, that, that's brought death, that's brought corruption. He's chosen our inheritance for us. What he has is better. Thank you, God, for that. The inheritance for Jacob or Israel, who he loves. And next week we'll talk, Lord willing, more about Zion and God's faithful to, faithfulness to her despite her faithlessness to him and the inheritance of their land that he has brought them back into to this day. And it says here in this, Selah, or think about this, consider it. Consider God's faithfulness in all of these things. And then in verse 5 it says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. We know that Christ is coming back with the sound of a trumpet. First Thessalonians, we looked at it recently, 4.16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. It's interesting because when Jesus ascended to heaven in Acts 1, he went up and the disciples were looking and the angel said to them in Acts 1.11, this same Jesus who was taken up from you to heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him. And we know he's coming back with a shout, he's coming back with a trumpet, so he says in like manner, he must have went up with a shout and a trumpet. We want to be living and looking for that return. We want to be worshiping with understanding. You know what, in, in, in a fallen world we're living in and waiting for the coming of the Lord, I find when I have a worshipful heart, things are so much better. It's a perspective that's brought, an understanding that the Lord is coming soon and, and the Lord's going to prevail and things are going to be put in order, not only in this world, but listen, in my life. And the wretched man that I am, things will be set into order. And I thank God for that, that it's going to be his order, not what I would choose for order to look like, or I would drum up my own inheritance. I thank him that he knows better and what he has for me today and in eternity, what he has for you today and for eternity is so, so good. Now notice verse six, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Do you understand what the verse there is saying? <laughs> Four times we're told to sing praises. No doubt it's a call to sing praises to God, again, from our own heart, in our own lives, in our own home. Psalm 96.3 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. And then Psalm 49, 149.1 Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise is noticed here in the assembly of the saints. And going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, we should be coming together like when they would come there to the worship in the day of David, the chief musician was to lead them into worship unto the Lord. And we need to be gathering, understanding that, that we have a call to gather together and to sing praises to God. And I'm not bringing any judgments on anybody Listen, God knows what's going on in everyone's heart, but if you've gotten to that place where worship's a secondary issue, and worship at Refuge Church is a secondary issue, and maybe you just found yourself that week after week, instead of making an aim to get into worship, you instead have extended conversations, you know, in other places. And, and listen, there might be a time and a place for that. There might be a need for that on, on, on a day or whatever. 
Again, I'm not making a judgment in this. I'm not singling anyone out. But I think it's easy to get into that place where corporate worship's a secondary thing versus making an aim to say, I want to be there attentively and I want to worship my awesome God who's worthy of praise. And I would encourage you to consider this if, 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 if again, if it's maybe, well, I got to talk to this person. That person you're talking to, you may be hindering them from getting in to hear worship unto God to get ministered to and to hear a, a sermon that's been prayed over and prepared all week long. We got to think about that. If it's a thing, well, it's just too loud for me. Well, listen, sit on the side of the room. Or put some earplugs in and you can still hear enough to worship God. There, there, there's, a lo- there's, there's a lot of things that we can do. <laughs> some people say, you know, well, it's, and I think, it's, I think we got, we're blessed with a wonderful worship team. Well, it's just not tight enough. You know, I'm, I'm a really skilled musician and I just pick it apart. Well, listen, these folks up here are to worship the Lord. We, we put the emphasis first and foremost on glory in God. Some will say, well, it's just not my style. Our style should be, does it glorify God, not it, it, it needs more twang, more swag, or more whammy bar. Does it glorify? If you're a born-again Christian, if it glorifies God, that's your style. And others, well, I just don't feel like it. Remember we saw a few weeks ago, Psalm 45, 11, because he's your Lord, worship him. You gonna let your feelings triumph over the call of God to worship? We gotta take these things to heart. Listen, this is this is not a light thing. This is throughout the scripture. Worship God. Gather again and worship God. Clap to God, sing to God, praise to God. When we're not, the enemy's getting the victory. Think about so many places in the world where God is not worshiped. It's the bulk of the world. We should we should be a people that recognize our really our chief ministry, our first ministry is to God Almighty to give Him glory. To give Him praise. To lift him up. Verse 7. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Again, a fifth time we're told to sing. Notice as well. He's still king of the earth. Nothing's changed since verse 6. And it's the same forever. And then he says sing it. And this is, I think, a key. And we're almost done here. Do it all with understanding. It's not a matter of, what do you at church? Oh, we clap and we sing and it's fun. And yeah, it's like a big festival and... Are you doing that with understanding and a reverence? That my God's awesome. My God has, again, created all this, sustains it all. Even our rebellion made a way of salvation. He gives us these promises. He is a mighty, awesome, holy God. Understanding who he is, that again, we would worship in spirit and truth. Knowing all he's done, all he's doing, all that he will do, that he's holy, that he's awesome, all-powerful, he's the Savior, that he's coming back, that he's the judge. That he's king over all the earth with that understanding. So again, as Jesus said in John 4.23, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking, seeking such to worship him. The Father is seeking for such. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Uh, in Colossians 3.16, it's put like this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly uh, in you richly when all wisdom, teaching and monisting one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So get God's word in your heart that out of it worship would come to God, understanding why we're doing this. 
He's God. He's Lord. I'm in a trial and I don't feel like it, but I've given given promises. God's going to see me through. I'm wrestling with stuff and I'm over here, wretched man that I am. Oh, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, I have a deliverance. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know, I get excited about those things. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne against all of them, no exceptions. Lord willing, in Numbers, we'll get there when Balak, the king of Moab, he hires Balaam to curse Israel. And instead of cursing him, he just keeps blessing him over and over and over again. Why? Because he reigns over all the nations. The Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Samuel and think, we won. And they put the Ark of the Covenant where the throne of God was there in their temple, Dagon. And they come in the next day and their, their, their idol is on its face with its hands broken off before God. He's the God of the nations. <laughs> over Moab, over the Philistines. Again, North Korea, Syria, uh, Think about Jonah goes into Nineveh begrudgingly and says, you need to repent, and they all do, and a revival breaks out. Notice as well, he sits on his holy throne. Doesn't say he's God, he reigns over all the nations, and he paces in front of his holy throne. Boy, up there, he frets, he worries, he sits because he's in full control. And then finally, verse 9, the princes of the peoples have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham. This is a prophetic word about the millennial reign of Christ. Where the nations will gather together. A restored Israel will have come to faith in the Lord. Us who are sons of Abraham through faith will be ruling and reigning with him. A lot of that in the Psalms. A lot of prophetic words. For the shields of the earth belong to God. And again, if they all belong to God, we need not fret or worry. And then it says, he is greatly exalted. And listen, he's greatly exalted whether we exalt him or not. Jesus, when he went into Jerusalem there on what we call Palm Sunday, the people were worshiping. They, they, in Luke 19, it says they were, in verse 38, they were, they were crying out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the Pharisees, they, they tell Jesus, rebuke, rebuke your disciples. They can't be acknowledging you as Messiah. They can't be acknowledging you as the Savior. And Jesus said in verse 40, I tell you, if these would keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And I, I don't want to give my privilege to worship God to the stones. Listen, the Bible speaks about all creation worshiping him, trees worshiping him, the angels worshiping him. He's exalted whether we do or not. But, but how much better when we walk in what God's called us to, to praise him. And, and it just brings, it brings order to our own lives when he is glorified. The day's coming. In Philippians 2, it speaks of this. Philippians 2.9, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, notice, to the glory of God the Father. That day's coming soon, but I don't want to wait till then. I'm praying to God, I want to become more of a worshiper of him, and I hope that you share in that, and I would hope we could step back and each of us wouldn't take assessment of our neighbor but we would take assessment of ourselves. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. And say, where am I in with this? Where, where am I? Where am I with worship of God? Where, where, what's my view of worship? What's my view of worship uh, as a fellowship when we gather together? And if we need to make adjustments, let's ask for God's grace to help us in that. Listen, God's words here to remind us is to help us, is to exhort us. 
God loves you, and, and he wants you to be abounding in the blessing that comes from worshiping God. Let's stand up right now and, and worship the Lord as we finish up here. And uh, Heavenly Father, we do praise you. Lord, we do thank you that indeed, God, you, you are awesome. And you are the king of all the earth. I pray, God, that, that daily you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, we'd be a people growing in our understanding of who you are. I hope and pray, God, that we have more understanding of who you are than we had, you know, what, 45, 50 minutes ago when we started this Bible study. And I pray we could increase in it more and more and more that, God, more and more we could be a people set aside worshiping God. And, and that not only would minister to you, but it would minister to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It would even be that fragrant aroma of Christ that would draw believers in to hear the gospel and to get born again. Help us, God. Listen, today, if you haven't called on the name of Jesus, we talked about that rebellion. We talked about the God of our own belly doing our own thing. That's where we all are outside of Christ, in sin. But Jesus has made the way for salvation and to be forgiven of sin. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave defeating death, defeating the wages of our sin of death, that through him we could have eternal life and a right relationship with God, no longer seen as sinners, but as forgiven. The Bible makes it real clear that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And what that means is I'm saying, I'm no longer my own Lord. I'm no longer, my aim's no longer to do as I please, but Jesus, I believe you died and rose. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. That's repentance, that's faith hand in hand. If you haven't called on him, do it today. He, he wants to meet you right where you are, and he will. It doesn't matter what you dragged in here, what you got going on. He wants to meet you right where you're at. We thank you, Lord. Let's praise him as we, we close here. So normally I just start right into a song, but um, <clears throat> we haven't sung this song in a long time, and so many of you may have not done it with us. And so I, I wanted to point out in the second verse, it says, Turn your gaze to heaven and raise a joyous noise. And we were told to shout to the Lord. So when we sing that, after we sing that line, raise a joyous noise. Just give a shout to the Lord. Okay? Give that a try. Oh,
Hey, God bless you in the Lord Jesus. I want to invite some prayer counselors to come up, and the altar's open up here if you want to pray with someone. God bless you again. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.